abide in his presence. trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. No things come that try and shake. The Lord wants to say to you today that if you put my trust in me and you build your life upon a firm foundation of my love and my word, you will not be shaken. That God says in Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth shakes and the mountains quake and the waters roar, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, and God is within her and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. See, nations may be in an uproar and kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord wants us to see what the Lord's done. So he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth and he breaks a bow and, the shatters, and he shatters a spear. And the Lord would say to us today, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted in this place, in the nations, on this earth. For the Lord Almighty is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you that we don't need to be shaken because our trust is not in things or circumstances or even people, but it's in you, the God of the Lord of hosts. And Father, I pray right now that you would bring your peace that passes understanding in the name of Jesus that would just come, that would even come just now and melt away those things, those things that come and shake us and shift us. Father, I just thank you for your holy presence even here in this place now. Father, I thank you that you just want to come. And you want to remind us that you're a faithful God. That your faithfulness, that your mercies are new every morning. And they shine through the dark, Father. They shine through. Father, would we know your faithfulness today? Would we be reminded of your faithfulness? We'll be reminded of all the things that you have done and will continue to do in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, worship team. Well, God's good, hey? Is God good? (laughs) Only half the people think God's good. (laughs) Everyone will be saying at the end. 
Well, today I want to bring a message that um, God's been burning on my heart for the last month or so. And um, it's interesting, actually, because um, Pastor Steve rang me on Monday um, to talk about Sunday. And I said, oh, what did you speak about last Sunday? Because a few of us were at the Hillside School um, church service. We went here and um, he began to speak what he shared about and spoke about um, God taking flickering flames and breathing on them and making them blazing fires. And I'm like, that's what I'm speaking on. And um, it was a real confirmation to me that the Lord really does want to um, do something fresh today. And the title um, of my message today is Keep the Fire Burning. And I want to look at Romans 12, particularly verse 11 and pull apart verse 11. But it says, um, I'm looking at the ESV version today. Um, It says, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. If if you've got a competitive spirit, then be competitive in this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal, but be aglow with the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And it goes on. But this passage is a whole section of verses 9 to 21, which is a practical overview of what transformed people look like when they've been transformed by the Spirit of God. We know that transformed lives transform others. And part of the vision and the heart of this church is that we would see transformation in our lives and in this church, but then go out and transform our communities. However, we were never intended to do this without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, without the fire of the Spirit. And verse 11 says, Never flag in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord. And so that's what I want to look at today. How do we stay aglow with the Spirit? What does that actually mean? What does it mean to um, kind of sounds a bit funny, aglow with the Spirit? We're going to unpack that today and look at how do we keep burning when so many things try and quench that fire within. So what did Paul mean by this phrase? Well, in the original Greek, the verb aglow means to boil or to seethe, um, as in a fire or boiling water. And Paul often used um, fire as a common metaphor associated with the Spirit of God. Um, Luke also did in Acts. He talks about tongues of fire coming down at Pentecost, representing the Holy Spirit coming down. And John the Baptist said, Um, I baptise you with water and we've got some baptisms coming up, but there is one that is greater that is coming who will baptise you, speaking of Jesus, who will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and of fire. And we need the Holy Spirit, we need the fire of God to to go and carry the fire and um, spread the fire so that people also can receive that. Fire speaks of our passion, our fervency for the Lord, but also the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church. I love what the message says in um, says verse 11 of Romans 12. It says, Don't burn out, but keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master. And for both Paul and Luke, glowing or on fire with the Spirit of God was not a one-way street. Sure, the Holy Spirit's our source of the fire, but they also talk about our response to and our collaboration with the Spirit, um, which is vital if we're going to keep burning, if we're going to keep glowing in the Spirit. 
And so um, as the song, you remember singing that song, um, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It kind of puts it perfectly. Like God has given us the Holy Spirit, that fire, but then he tells us to burn it bright and to, um, and to aglow in the spirit. And in ancient Israel, the priests, they were instructed to never let the fire on the altars go out. Leviticus 6.12. And this required a lot of work. The least of it was collecting firewood um, in a land that wasn't known for dense forests, but they needed to be intentional about not letting the fire go out and die um, because otherwise they would, it would become a flickering flame. And I really sense today that the Lord is wanting to encourage us Kalamunda Church, keep your fire burning, that no matter what comes, that no matter what is ahead, that we need to be intentional about keeping the fire that he started within us burning so that it might be a blaze that spreads out and touches our community. And um, so really, I guess today is really part two of Pastor Steve's message um, in how do we keep the fire burning? How do we keep our spirits aglow? And today I want to look at three things the Word teaches us in how to keep fervent and ablaze in our walk with the Lord. Because we all know that when we first came to the Lord, there was a fire that burnt bright and we were so passionate about Him and about um, you know, going to tell others. I remember hearing a story about someone who... Um, who came to know the Lord, but she was really worried about having to then tell others about Jesus. If I come to the Lord, will I have to then go and tell others, she told someone. And they said, no, 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 you don't need to worry about that. Um, and she's like, okay, well, I'll receive the Lord then. And so she prayed and asked Jesus into her life and she went into her room and just the Holy Spirit just came upon her with such power and excitement and fire that she raced down out of her room and um, went and told her whole family what had happened and how she became a Christian. See, it wasn't saying she had to be worried about because when God's spirit comes and when his fire comes, that timidity goes and the power and the boldness comes. And it's not a work in our own doing. It's a work of the spirit in and through us. And so I believe God wants to alight something fresh in us today um, that we would be um, people that walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the um, Paul talks about how his words wasn't eloquent or fancy, but they um, came with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And it's time that the church doesn't just talk, but actually demonstrates the power and the love of God. Um, so the first thing I want to look at today is with a file, it needs to stay fueled. Um, every year, my family, uh, my my mum and dad have a property in Carmel and they love to um, light big bonfires. I mean, huge, huge bonfires. And dad's favourite thing, or the guys really, they get all the diesel and the petrol and they light the whole thing up. They pour petrol all over it and then they light it and it's this massive, massive, um, you know, light show really. And after a while, it kind of goes down. So they get the petrol out again and off they go. Is it diesel? They Diesel, they, I don't know what it is. They do something. It smells horrible, but they love it. And they're lighting things and they're stocking up wood and they're, they just, I don't know what it is with guys and fires, like seriously, but they love their fires. And, um, but fire needs to keep staying fueled and in the same way we need to stay fueled Romans 12 if we go back to our text talks about we flick back there it says 
Um, Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in trial. Be constant in prayer. And the message says it like this. Don't quit in hard times, but instead be patient and be constant in prayer. And the word constant doesn't mean every second, every moment, every waking minute. It actually means to be persistent in prayer. Make prayer the pattern of your life. Now, I didn't know that Pastor Steve was calling people to pray today um, before I wrote this. But I really sense that um, I wrote this down, that the Lord is actually calling his church to pray, to gather together, to seek his face and to pray um, that we would see God's will be done in this church as on, on heaven as in on earth. Um, Prayer or communion with the Father is our fuel. And um, intimacy with our Heavenly Father is what ignites our fire. So we can't work it up ourselves. But as we connect with him in worship and in prayer um, and even in fasting, some of you, I believe God's calling to maybe fast. It's not just a thing that pastors do. We're actually, the Bible says that when you fast and pray, and um, there's something... um, powerful about fasting that just really does ignite that fire within and anyway that wasn't on my notes but there you go um it was a freebie ephesians 5 22 says be filled with the spirit and that's not just a once off filling the greek word to fulfilled actually means to be filled and keep on being filled and we constantly need the holy spirit to fill us afresh and to empower us and to ignite the fire um, because he's got more for us. And most of us would say we have a heart for our communities and nations and families to be transformed. I was reading this book the other day called God Chases, I think it is, by Tommy Tenney. And he says that revival must begin in your local church before it can reach into your community. Because when the church is in, on fire, it will spread to the community. And I've also been reading over the last month this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Sabala. And I just want to share a little bit of his testimony of what happened in his church about um, what God did with prayer. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of Pastor Jim Sabala. He, um, he pastors the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. Nearly drowned the microphone. And, um, and there goes my lid, but that's all right. Um, but anyway, he was called to pastor this church. He had no real experience and it was a very rough area where drugs and prostitution was um, prevalent and it was just hard going. The church had no money, it had um, no music, it had no, um, no people to help. It was just him and his wife and um, the church wasn't growing, they couldn't pay their mortgage and in fact they suspected because the tides never, um, the sums never added up, that someone was actually, um, you know, taking from the offering. So instead of putting in, they were taking out. And it was just a real mess. The church, he just didn't know what he was going to do. And early on, in, so this is uh, maybe 20 years ago now, but early on, he got up to, to preach one morning and he just couldn't. He, was, he said it was just so tough that after five minutes, he put aside his notes and he said, you know what? I just can't preach today. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just came upon him and he just began to sob and sob. And people were kind of looking at him a bit awkward, didn't really know what was happening. Um, 
But then the Spirit of God began to move and cries of intercession began to come out of the people. And that service ended up turning into a prayer meeting where the Spirit of God came down, repentance came, and one of the deacons came running to the front and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And he'd been the one taking from the offering. They hadn't had to do any investigation because God's Spirit convicted him. And that was a moment of breakthrough for that church. But they knew that there was still more, that God had awakened a hunger in them, but for them to actually go and reach um, all these people that just weren't interested in the Lord at all, they desperately needed God to do something. And then Pastor Jim got really, really sick and he had to actually move away for a while to get better. And in that time, he was just saying, Lord, what do I do? How do we reach these people? How do we see transformation take place and God said very clearly to him if you will lead my people to pray and call upon my name then I will come and so when Jim returned to the church he got up and he shared what God had spoken to him and he said you know what Sunday is important but the true barometer the true spiritual barometer of our church and where the ignition is will be um, will be prayer And he said, I'm calling everyone on a Tuesday night to come and pray. And slowly God began to build that. At one stage, I think they had 150 in their church, but 100 people would come to the prayer meetings on Tuesday. And now they are seeing so many amazing things happen as God's Spirit just came and put a cry. See, prayer is not a formula. It's not like, oh, we better get together and pray then because then we might see know God do amazing things it's actually a heart cry where we connect with him and commune with him and we humble ourselves um, and we seek his face and we and that is what brings um, the fire and spreads the fire and so I really believe God's calling us to pray but part of staying fueled and being carriers of the fire God's been really speaking to me about this over the last couple of weeks is If you want to be a carrier of my fire, then you need to be consumed by my fire. What does that mean? And I've been listening to that song, Consuming Fire, Fan Into Flame, A Passion for Your Name. And part of God's fire that comes is that he does a purifying work in our lives where he burns up the dross. He burns up those things that get in the way, that are almost like wet blankets on the fire. And it's not a condemnation thing and it's not a... A fear thing, but as if we want to be carriers of God's fire, we need to allow His refiner's fire to come and burn up those almost areas of compromises in our lives that we don't even realize. See, it talks about in Romans 12, I keep going back there, um, let your love be genuine. In other words, let your love be without compromise, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And God wants to come with his refining fire to, um, to deal with those things. And pa- Pastor Steve apparently spoke about that, did you, last week, about not letting the temple be defiled um, and rededicating ourselves on the altar. And, um, yeah, and, and amazing things happen when we allow him to do that. The other thing that, that really does ignite our fire is that God's given us um, one of the gifts that God can give us is the supernatural language of God. And 
about, oh, I think it was last term, I was speaking at Hillside Chapel and I was speaking about the Holy Spirit and um, what he does um, based on Alpha. We had just finished Alpha um, at the school with the parents. So I wanted to bring it to the kids. And so we're talking about all of this. And I said, if you want to receive, um, if you want to receive Jesus, then come forward. And about 20 people put their hand up and um, gave their lives to the Lord. But I said, if you want to be um, filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and you would like even that prayer language, then I also ask you to come forward. And so Steve Williams and I and a few others, we began to lay hands and we began to pray for people. There were two young guys there that all of a sudden got that supernatural prayer language and just began to speak it out. And at the end, I said to him, he had this big smile on his face and I said, oh, how are you? And he goes, man, that feels good. And do you know why? Because it stirs our spirit, it ignites something in our spirit. And um, it's a gift that God gives to stir up our spirit um, because we don't know what we ought to pray. Let us be people who constantly commune with our Father, who sit in his presence and stay close to his heart. Let us not be like Jesus' disciples who were with him. And Jesus said to them, why are you sleeping? Wake up and pray. And I believe there's a call coming from Jesus in this hour to the church as a whole. That Why are you sleeping? Wake up and pray. Because we, we need to be um, alert, the Bible says. And we need to be in, um, in prayers that we might see his fire come. Another way of staying aglow or ablaze in the spirit is um, do not smother the fire. See, one of the things about fires, if you want to put it out, so um, Dave and I have this land out the back of us um, that we don't really know who it belongs to, but um, it's ours. Some people that live on the back of this land actually think it's there, so they've added extra gardens and extra things. But I think it used to be the old railway line that comes down. Anyway, we decided in... Um, in August, that we would gather the neighbours and we would um, have a bonfire. Um, we were hoping that no one would, um, we wouldn't be in trouble, we weren't in trouble. But one of the things that we were told is that when you finish with the fire, you need to make sure you put it out and you need to carry buckets of water and really put it out. Because we know that sometimes that can set the thing off again. So we got the hose out and the buckets and we um, put that thing out and sand. And we know that things, you know, it's important sometimes to get fires out, but not the Holy Spirit's fire. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, verse 20 to verse 22, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And the Greek word for quench means to stifle or extinguish or suppress its divine influence. So Paul's literally saying, do not smother the fire. And in that kid's song, I'm going to let my light shine, there's a second verse in it that says, don't let Satan blow it out, I'm going to let it shine. And Satan would love to see the fire die in our hearts, in the um, church's heart. Why? Because he knows that we're not, they're not effective Christians. We simply exist, yet we don't change history like we're called to do. And we need to be really careful. We need to um, be intentional about guarding the fire and not quenching it. Um, 
because they're things that can come and try and smother the Holy Spirit's work or the fire um, in our lives, but also in our passion and zeal for the Lord and even in, um, in the church. And in this context, Paul was referring to the Thessalonians' attitude of going against the supernatural work of God, particularly the gift of prophecy. And I love it how this church is really open to the things of God, that they often in the prayer meeting we say, Lord, just have your way. Do what you want to do. And I think that's awesome because we're really open to what God wants to do. But we need to be diligent in our own lives that we don't quench the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do because it's not always what we planned or what we we thought of. Um, and And because in the Thessalonian church, the gifts were getting out of hand and they were actually being abused, especially concerning the Lord's return. You've probably seen yourself, um, people write books on um, 99 ways why God was coming back in 99 and he hasn't come back. And, and so we begin to get sceptical, you know, or, or people give words and they don't seem to happen and we become sceptical or we become hurt or disappointed. And without realizing it what that what happens then it was we always put um a wall up and i believe the lord wants to break down walls today where walls may have been put up because of disappointment or they may have been put up because of hope deferred or whatever it is and those things those things may have come to to try and quench what God has done in us or the dreams that we had in our hearts that just didn't seem to happen and there's almost been a quenching, a disappointment. But I believe God's saying, hey, I want to come and I want to heal that today. Um, Gordon Fee, a, a theologian, talks about this passage and he says, because such utterances are from the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the prophetic, they must not be despised. But also, because such utterances come through merely human vessels, they must be tested. And so what Paul is saying here is, instead of devaluing the gifts or dejecting them, Paul is encouraging them to rather discern them, to test them. And we too need to test. When we receive a word or when things come that we're like, I'm mm, not sure about, um, or even that we're sure about, we need to test them and bring them against Bring them to the Lord and bring them against the word of God and bring them to the heart of God. 1 Corinthians 14 says that the fruit and the motivation of all the gifts is to be love. And the purpose, particularly of the prophetic, is to build up the church, to encourage comfort and strengthening. And, um, and so rather than throwing out everything because oh, we actually just need to discern and to test and like the Thessalonians, there are times that we can quench the spirit or smother the fire when we feel uncomfortable or we're not used to something or the Holy Spirit comes and interrupts our schedules. I know for me, when I've put hours and hours and hours into a message and there's been times that I've got up to preach and there was one particular time I had um, this message prepared, I was so excited about it and then the Holy Spirit came. And mucked the whole thing up. And I didn't actually get to get up until the last 10 minutes um, to speak. And I remember being, oh, but 
it was so silly because God did such amazing things. And sometimes we can get, you've, you've mucked up my plans. But let us be a people that go, God, whatever it takes, whatever you want to do, let us not quench your spirit. Um, see, God is a God of order. And in the Bible, it talks about, you know, that the person's not subject to the prophecy, that they can actually be in control of the gift. But God often doesn't do things in our order or in our way. And let us be a church that is in step with the Spirit, that we as people don't run ahead of him, but we, nor do we lag behind. Um, that, Lord, you would give us discernment to know and that we would not quench the thing that the Lord wants to do in our lives. But the other thing I really sensed was that things have come to try and quench your fire, to smother your fire within. Perhaps people have said things, even maybe not intentionally, or things have happened. Um, I mentioned before, disappointments have come. And it's almost been like a wet blanket, even, even some maybe just part of the fire. But I was praying about it last night, and I felt God would say this to you today, that I will cover it, I will protect it if you, if you come to me, if you allow me to do that, that the sound of my faithfulness will resound. And then I um, felt him say Psalm 91.4, and I read it from the Passion Translation. And it says that his massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. And I just feel like the Lord would want to encourage you today that the sound of my faithfulness will resound. Um, that things may not have been how you expected it or may look different to what you think. But the Lord is saying, I am faithful to fulfill my word and finish my work. Um, sometimes it's hard to see his faithfulness um, in the dark. But as Steve spoke today about the light shining through, I believe that the light of his faithfulness will shine through. That we're not to listen to the lie that things won't work out because God has a greater plan than we could ever hope, dream or imagine. And I just feel his encouragement today to do not fear, do not be dismayed, but trust him for the sound of my faithfulness will resound loudly in your life, in this church and in this nation. And so be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted. And I wrote that in worship today, um, just that last bit, that really sense that God's wanting us to know, hey, my faith, I'm faithful and I'm faithful to who I've called and I'm faithful to finish what I've started. And when we look to him, we, um, we can see that, that his faithfulness will shine through. The third thing of how we can keep ablaze in our walk with the Lord is um, to stoke the fire. Timothy 1 verse 6 to 7 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love and self-control, or a sound mind as some versions say. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And today, he wants to remind us that he's not given us a spirit of fear, that we don't need to let intimidation or timidity and fear squash what God's given us. But he's saying to you today, 
I remind you, I've given you a spirit of power. Therefore, begin to fan into flame what I've given you. Begin to step out in new boldness, in new authority, because I've given you um, my spirit. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, again to Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying of the hands of the elders. See, Timothy had received a gift, a Holy Spirit gift, one of the gifts, and probably evangelism, because Paul talks about that in later letters. But he'd been given to him through prophecy and impartation. However, it wasn't automatic. He had a responsibility to do something about it. And when we receive spiritual gifts from the Lord, we don't receive them always in mature form. So I used to think that when I, I used to ask the Lord, Lord, I really want the gift of the prophetic. I really want um, to know the word that sustains the weary. And I thought that when I got it, I'd be bang, just I would have it. But what I've learned over the years that he actually gives it to us usually in seed form and then it needs to be grown and developed through prayer, through the word, through exercise and through use. And we need to take what God's given us and use it. See, gifts should not lie dormant or be passive, but we need to feed the gift through prayer and the word. And we also need to step out in boldness. Why? Because God used the gifts to encourage and build up the church. And 1 Peter 4.10 talks about how we're to use our gifts to serve the Lord or to serve one another, sorry. And in serving one another, we're actually serving the Lord. So if we go back to our original text of verse 11, it says, Be a glow in the spirit and serve the Lord. And what that's saying is, let's serve the Lord with zeal and passion. But in serving the Lord, we also stoke our fire and passion. Because we were never designed to be like the Dead Sea. Now the Dead Sea is fed by the River Jordan, but it only has an inlet. It has no outlet and because of that, it's dead. There's no life in it. We were designed to flourish and ablaze, but we need both an inlet, fueled by the source, fueled in prayer, fueled by the Holy Spirit, but we need an outlet where we use what we have and we serve the Lord through serving others. See, we become stagnant if we do not use what we have, if we do not fan into flame the things that God's given us. We wither on the vine. And I know our heart, I know my heart is, Lord, we don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be like that Lacedosia church that was called lukewarm. But Lord, we want to be fervent. We want to be ablaze with the Spirit. And you know what? When we actually use our gifts to encourage and build up one another, we actually ignite other hearts. We actually ablaze other hearts. We actually set other hearts on fire. And so I want to encourage you, what has God given you? What are the gifts that God has given you? Stir it up. How we stir it up? We pray. But we step out in faith and we use it. And you know, so often we're afraid of giving a wrong word or, or getting it wrong. Because if we get it wrong, does that mean we're a false prophet? But 
That's not what Jesus was saying. A false prophet was someone whose intent was to deceive and they were wolves dressed up like sheeps. If our heart and motivation is to love, encourage, comfort and strengthen, then we're not false prophets. We might get it wrong because we're human at times and that's why the Bible says don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecy, but rather test it. And it's up to us. We have a responsibility to test. So the other day I was given, someone had a dream about me and they sent it in a word. And it was so, it really um, witnessed in my spirit. It was stuff that the Lord was already talking about. And that's what, the, um, when God gives you words, it should actually witness in you. See, we have the Holy Spirit who um, gives us discernment. But there was a part in there that just this check in my spirit. I was like, no, nah, that's not the heart of God. That's not actually in God's word. Does that mean that I reject the whole thing? No. I just deleted that line and, it, and just took what I knew what God was saying. But notice that even though he was given a word and he was given saying, he still had the responsibility to do saying about it. So we think... Oh, well, God said it, so he'll do it. God said stuff over this church, so he'll just do it. God said stuff over my life, so he'll just do it. Actually, the Spirit wants to work in collaboration with us. So he plants a seed, but then we need to water it and we need to see it grow, not in our own strength, but in collaboration with him. So even things that God spoke over here, let's partner with what he's saying. I can have the worship team. I was recently at, um, I don't know if you've heard of Todd White. He's an evangelist that came over from America and he goes around the world and he runs these uh, evangelist training um, schools called Power and Love. And so what he does is he teaches on evangelism and then he releases people out into the streets and um, the city um, and he ignites them with fire, but then he sends them out. And a few times he's done that, people were shocked. We didn't come to this conference to then have to do something about it. And he's like, well, that's the whole point. I'm going to ignite you with fire through the Holy Spirit, and we're going to send you out. And, you know, I only went to one of the meetings, but at the meeting they had testimonies. And, do you know, testimonies also ignite fires within, but that's another story. But we need to share our testimony because there's power in testimonies. But these people got up and there was these young guys that got up and they were so on fire and passion for the Lord because of what God had done. And I just want to end with just sharing a couple of the stories. So this, this guy, there was two guys that went out. They went on the train. And when they're on the train, um, the train was filling up and they just felt they were to stand for this younger guy that got on the train. So they stood for him and let him have the seat. And God gave one of them a word of knowledge and said, there's something wrong with your back, isn't there? And the guy said, yes, how did you know? And he said, because Jesus wants to heal you. Now that's a bold statement. He said, but Jesus wants to heal you. And in fact, is actually something wrong with your leg. And he's like, how did you know? And he said, because Jesus wants to heal you. And he said, I want you to put your legs out right now. And the guy's like, okay. So he put his legs out and one was significantly longer than the other. 
At that point, they had arrived at the station and so they were sitting right near the door and all these people got on the train and they were blocked by this guy with his feet sticking out and this guy on the floor holding his feet. Now, that would have looked a bit strange. And so they couldn't get around him and they were a bit annoyed to start with but all of a sudden, they just, they, the guy said they just stood there and he had this audience all just watching him to see what he was going to do and with the boldness and the power of the spirit that came upon him he said in the name of Jesus I tell this foot to grow and he said this foot shot out like lightning bolt and lined together and then he said in the name of Jesus I tell this back to be healed and the guy stood up and in amazement he's like my back is healed and the whole train just erupted with cheer I wouldn't say praise because they weren't saved, but they just began to tell testimony after testimony about how people got saved. And, you know, Todd White said, there is something stirring in Perth. He said, I have been to 120 of these around the world and I have never seen, I have never ever seen as many people get saved as I've seen in Perth. And I've never seen as many people released on the streets as I've seen in Perth. There is something happening, but we need to get out of our comfort zones and our pews and go out and be carriers of the fire. Let his fire touch us and purify us and empower us, but then go and carry it and spread it to a world that needs to know. Do you know there was another lady up there? She had got saved on the street. She was homeless, and I really choked up at this point. She said, I just needed $212. And so this team got around her and they began to pray for her. Within, I think they said six minutes, maybe it was three. It was a very short amount of time. She got $600. And the desperate cry of her heart was that she would reconnect with her family. She'd been estranged by her family. That night, out of nowhere, at 10.30 at night, her daughter contacted her and said, I want to get in touch with you again. She said, I woke up the next morning different. She'd received the Lord that night. She woke up completely different with joy and life. Anyway, she's up the front sharing. She's homeless. And as she's sharing, this lady comes running forward and just hands her this wad of money. And then there were people everywhere from, I don't know how many people there, they were just flocking to her, just throwing money at her feet. And she just broke down because she had never felt love before. Do you know what? That, that, is, that is the fire of God. It's, it comes through love and it doesn't have to be flashy and showy, but God's heart is so for this church and it's so for this community and he wants to fill us afresh. I really believe he wants to fill us afresh today. He wants to take our flickering flames and whatever's come to try and smother them in this church and in our lives. And he wants to make them a blazing fire that would spread out and touch this community. I just want to ask you to stand today as we sing this song. I just want to pray that God would anoint you afresh with his fresh fire today.